It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Jackson Gatlin here, host of the Monday edition Locked On NBA podcast. Every Monday, I cover the three biggest stories in the NBA with the local experts from Locked On. It's an awesome recap of the weekend of the NBA and a look at what's ahead. Mark your calendars on Monday to join me for Locked On NBA podcast, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to the Locked On Grizzlies podcast. My name is Sean Coleman. Hope wherever you are and wherever you are listening, you are having a great start to your Wednesday. It is Wednesday. It's the final day of not only June, but also the first half of 2021. It's been a crazy year, right? Not anywhere near as crazy as 2020. And hopefully there's been a bit more positive. You know, it seems like there's a bit more positive vibe with the world. Hopefully a bit more positive vibes in your life as well. I know that there has been in mine, but still, you know, just it's feel, it does feel like a world getting back to normal. But the thing is, is that one way in which we're doing that is a sports month to look forward to. And while there have been a few so far this year, July really is lining up to be that. You've got the NBA and NHL Finals, the MLB All-Star Game, the MLB Draft and the NBA Draft, and of course, the 2021 Summer Olympics. So many fun things going on, and there's a lot to look forward to. But there's also plenty to look forward to when it comes to the Memphis Grizzlies. But to get an idea of what exactly we have to look forward to. It's important to look back, and that's what we're doing during this player review series that we're doing on the Grizzlies. In today's episode, one I've been looking forward to, going to talk about two of the biggest wild cards, maybe the biggest wild, the two biggest wild cards when it comes to the Grizzlies' present and future, and that's Brandon Clark and Jaron Jackson Jr., two players who, while their potential, in my opinion, hasn't changed from where it was a year ago, I do think there is a bit more uncertainty of when that potential is consistently going to be turned into difference-making production. I feel that's a fair question to ask, and we'll explore that perspective on Jaron Jackson in the first segment and Brandon Clark in the second. Once again, my name, and then the third, we'll discuss what their futures look like for the Grizzlies. My name's Sean Coleman. I've been covering the Grizzlies now for three years over at Grizzly Bear Blues. I'm a credentialed media member with the Grizzlies, have been hosting Locked on Grizzlies now uh, for over a year. I enjoy doing this every single day because it's the one place where every day you can get the latest Grizzlies news, insight, and perspective, as well as the honest truth, your Grizzlies every day here on the Locked on Grizzlies podcast. I want to remind you, you not only can find the show wherever podcasts are available, Spotify, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, the Odyssey app, but you can also find our weekly show, Let's Talk Grizzness, which is sponsored by, which obviously is in association with Locked on Grizzlies, by getting being a part of our title sponsor for this show, Spotify Green Room. Go to the App Store on the Android or iOS app, download Spotify Green Room, create your free profile, join us every Thursday night at 8 to talk all things Grizzlies. But let's get right into it, and that, of course, is Jaron Jackson Jr. Now, to me, there are three things that stand out to Jaron that stand out about Jaron Jackson Jr. this year that are the most relevant things about Jaron. His biggest strength and two biggest concerns trended in negative ways this year, ways that we did not want them to trend. But there are explanations that you simply accept and move on with. The biggest strength, of course, is his ability to shoot the three at his size. That significantly regressed this season. In his sophomore year, he took 368 three-point attempts, made just under 40% of them. This year, he only took 60, and he made 28.3% of them. That's not necessarily concerning, though, because he only played 17, or excuse me, 18 total games, 11 in the regular season, and it's understandable. He had been off. He had not played 
in eight months, and he was rusty. I'm not trying to say that's an excuse that you completely wipe away all concern, that he wasn't able to come back and be the shooting force that he had showed he could be at times his sophomore season. But I'm not concerned about his shooting. I'm not. I feel that that will come right back into form once he has a healthy offseason, obviously, and gets back into form, you know, by being able to focus on his role uh, more in Taylor Jenkins' system. But the other two things that did not trend in the way that we wanted him to is the simple fact that he missed as much time as he missed, and also that he fouled at the most frequent frequent rates of his career. Now, the time that he missed, yes, it's concerning. But here's why I feel it's concerning. It's not because of the actual amount of time he missed this year. I feel that was more towards the Grizzlies, simply minimizing the chance that Jaron Jackson Jr. would suffer the fate a lot of other players did this season. This was a season where external factors outside of teams' control had more of an impact on players because of how short of a time there were between games, you know, how uh, out of routine things were when it came to preparation, all those different things. The Grizzlies were simply trying to prevent there being a heightened chance of Jaron suffering a setback by coming back from his injury until they were fully certain that he'd be just fine when he eventually came back. But the thing that I'll say is this, is that the one reason why I'm a bit concerned when it comes to injuries is I wouldn't necessarily call Jaron Jackson Jr. injury prone, but... I do think it's relevant that in his freshman and so- or in his first and second years in the league, he wasn't able to finish the season due to knee injuries. And then one of those knee injuries basically completely took away his entire third year. It did take away a lot of development time. While I wouldn't necessarily say that he's injury prone to the extent of there's a part of Jaron's body that I feel is going to consistently be a source of injuries moving forward. I can certainly say that I would understand if someone were concerned that Jaron's profile, the way that he plays in as big a body as he has, that may make him more injury prone than others moving forward or more at a risk of injuries popping up that keep him out for periods of time. I can certainly understand that. So when it comes to his shooting, I'm not necessarily concerned. When it comes to potential injuries, I feel that it may just be a part of his game that we will have to accept, though I'm not necessarily concerned he's going to suffer a serious injury or something like that, um, you know, again, anytime soon. The third biggest thing, obviously, is his fouls, and I do feel that's a concern. You know, he averaged 5.9 fouls per 36 minutes this season. He didn't foul out of any of the playoff games, which is great. But at the end of the day, Jaron is three years into his career, And the most minutes he's averaged in a season per game is 28.5 minutes because of how much he has to sit due to being in foul trouble. Obviously, you feel at some point it's going to figure itself out. He's going to figure out what he needs to do fundamentally to not be put in a position where he's so prone to getting fouls called on him. And hopefully health and a full offseason of being able to focus on ways to prevent that from happening will help out. But at the end of the day, is he probably going to be a higher risk for fouls than most? Sure. I think that's true as well. So I do think that there's relevance, certainly, in those being the three biggest storylines of Jaron Jackson Jr.'s season. But I don't think that they should completely wipe away some of the positives that came away from Jaron's season as well. And that, specifically is the fact that there was improvement across the board in other areas of Jaron's game where many had hoped we would see eventual improvement for him to become a more complete player as time went on. Specifically, when you look at the per 36 numbers for Jaron Jackson Jr., when it came to his sophomore season versus this year, his third year, his blocks per 36 minutes went up from 2 his sophomore year to 2.5 this season. 
His steals went up to .9 per 36 minutes his sophomore year to 1.7 this year. And his rebounds went all the way up from 5.8 per .36 minutes in his sophomore year to 8.7 this season. Jaron talked about it in a press conference in early April as he was coming back, how the biggest thing that he had focused on is strength. And he certainly looked bigger once he returned than he had when he was in the bubble. And it seems like that gave him more confidence, not only in the ability to rebound, but to play like an actual big man, to be able to have the confidence in balancing out what he can do on the perimeter as an offensive player with also being able to go inside and do what he needs to do there as well. And on defense, there was a clear improvement in the, in the frequency in which he can make impactful plays, being able to create turnovers through his blocks and also his steals, through his deflections as well. Those type of things certainly were encouraging to see. And also how he performed at times in terms of general defense, one-on-one defense, being a difference maker when it came to playing one-on-one defense or within a team scheme. The Utah Jazz, I believe, were 6 of 21 when Jaron was the primary defender in games 3 and 4 here in Memphis during the playoffs. That's encouraging to see. So him becoming a more impactful defender and rebounder are things to certainly build off of moving forward. But at the end of the day, a year ago, you're clearly thinking Jaron Jackson Jr. is the clear number two on this team. Him and Jaw are the clear pillars of this future when it comes to the Memphis Grizzlies. And I don't think that's changed. I think that Jaron Jackson Jr. clearly is, has the second highest potential, has the second highest ceiling of any player on this Memphis roster. And I do think that that ceiling still is as a potential multiple-time All-Star, a player that maybe one or two times in his career puts it together for All-NBA consideration. I don't think that Jaron has any less potential now, still being 21 years old, than he had either the night that he was drafted or last season during the suspension of the season. I don't think that there's any less potential. And I don't have any less confidence that Jaron is eventually going to realize that potential and turn that potential into production. I think he does have multiple All-Stars over his career. I think that even next season, he shows stretches where he can play at that level. But the certainty of when that will happen or the confidence that it's going to happen next season, I can say probably is not on the same level that it was a year ago. I feel Jaron has the same potential that he's always had. And I feel that there's still plenty of time and I feel that there's still plenty of motivation and skill there for Jaron. Plenty of reason there to feel confident Jaron eventually will turn his potential into the production that it needs to be. For him to truly play the major part that we all hope he will in this Grizzlies team becoming the next sustainable winner in Memphis and potentially having a higher ceiling as a roster than any roster has before in the history of the Grizzlies. I still think all of that is still clearly on the table for Jaron Jackson Jr. But when does it come together? How quickly does it come together? And how consistently will it stay together in terms of him being a consistent force on both ends of the court? I can't answer that question. Or at least I'm less confident answering that question than I was a year ago. And I do think that that has relevance as well. I think Jaron Jackson Jr. is a phenomenally talented basketball player. My hope is, is that health stays on his side and that we see his shot get back to where it was his sophomore year that's maintained with the improved rates of rebounding and defense we saw this year and that his fouls become less of an issue moving forward. The thing is, that's a lot of boxes that you hope are going to be checked in a quick turnaround time. I think they will be checked in some form next year. All of them will be. 
It's just that it's going to take a lot of things going Jaron's way, and it's going to take consistency on his end to make it happen. So at the end of the day, I truly feel it's fair to say, you can say with confidence, Jaron Jackson Jr. is the one-two combination with Jaw that's the future of this team. And I feel that you can say with confidence, Jaron certainly has all the potential in the world to fill those shoes and expectations. It's just that some things are going to have to change in terms of his luck and his approach when it comes to basketball for him to be able to do that. And while I'm confident that he will, you have to be hopeful that it happens much sooner rather than later. But Jaron's not the only one, obviously. When it comes to this Grizzlies team, he's not the only young big who had a less than ideal season. And while his while Brandon Clark's future with the Grizzlies shouldn't be in question, the ceiling that he has and the overall consistent impact that he'll make probably is a little bit less certain to answer than it was a year ago. Coming up, I'm going to look at Brandon Clark's season and what I think about his future going forward in the third segment. We'll explore that future for both Jaron and Brandon a little bit closely, both in this offseason, next season, and beyond. Listen, you've heard about me talk about it many times before. The Locker Room app, now known as Spotify Green Room. And the reason why I talk about it is that's exactly what it's meant to be. It's what's meant to be done about it. You're supposed to talk about it because you're supposed to talk on it. Locker Room, now Spotify Green Room, is a social audio app that allows for you to enhance your enjoyment of being a fan. Whether you want to talk from other fans around the world, you want to talk with other, you know, fans of music, fans of culture, fans of sports, whatever subject you want to talk about. That's the point of Spotify Green Room. It's to connect you with other people who have similar interests and allow for you to enjoy either learning more about what you want to learn about, enjoy you know, celebrating what you want to celebrate, enjoy becoming more of what you want to become, such as a content creator. Many of my you know, best guests that I've had over the past several months have come from relationships I've made on Spotify Green Room, and you can do the same thing. Plus, it's a platform for us to expand the products that we all enjoy either listening to or creating. For instance, for me, it's the Locked on Grizzlies podcast show, Let's Talk Grizzness, every Thursday night at 8, which you can join me tomorrow night and being able to talk all things Grizzness, the, the draft, free agency, whatever it may be. We'll talk all about that. All you've got to do is go to the either your Android or iOS app, download Spotify Green Room, create a pre- free profile, Get into the chats and find us every Thursday night at 8, and I promise you it'll make your day better. The Spotify Green Room, changing the way we talk about sports. The NBA playoffs are right around the corner, and Locked On NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late-season drama. Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league, helping to break down the NBA playoffs. Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up to date. Locked On NBA, available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. On today's Road to the Finals, the NBA playoffs are brought to you by Michelob Ultra. At only 2.6 carbs and 95 calories, there's a little bit more to enjoy on our Road to the Finals tomorrow's episode of the Locked on Grizzlies podcast. We're winding down our player review series and we're going to get into the four players that played the biggest role in the Grizzlies successful 2020-2021 season, starting out with two veterans who clearly had career years at the most needed of time for the Grizzlies, and that is Jonas Valanciunas and Kyle Anderson, but also two players who are coming into the last year of their contracts. We'll discuss how special their seasons were for not only their careers, but also for the Grizzlies, but also even more importantly, in my opinion, 
what the future may hold for both Kyle Anderson and Jonas Valanciunas when it comes to their time in Memphis. We'll have that and much more on tomorrow's edition of the Locked on Grizzlies podcast. So, with Jaron Jackson Jr. coming into this season being injured, with him coming into this season, you know, likely not expected to be available for at least a month, which wound up being obviously much longer than that, one of the more exciting narratives coming into this year was seeing what Brandon Clark would be able to do in an expanded role. There was even the hope that maybe he would be able to start in Jaron's place. There was plenty of reason for the Grizzlies to do it, to see if he could take on being a starter for there to be some type of potential of a future where him and Jaron were the starting four and five for the Grizzlies. But unfortunately, while it was known about Jaron's entering going into the season, it was Brandon Clark who also unexpectedly had a start to his season that was impacted by injuries. A calf injury kept him out for the preseason. It kept him out for, you know, a stint to begin the season. And it seemed to certainly be something that unfortunately Brandon Clark just had to deal with the entire season. He did, it seemed, get back on track towards the middle of the year. And while he was not playing at the same level that he did as a rookie, he was back to his efficient scoring, very good re- you know, very good rebounding, very good finisher as a lob option and in transition, and also at times an, an impactful defender. It did seem like Brandon Clark was starting to get back on track towards the middle of the year. But then he missed another stint of games, once again due to a calf injury. In total, he missed 13 total games. It wasn't just one stretch of missing it and then being able to get over it and return, kind of like Jaws' ankle injury. Unfortunately, it was different since of the season. It really seemed like that once he got over it towards the middle of the year, at some point he re-aggravated it, and it just stuck with him. And so it was a nagging injury. It, it just the simple truth. Whatever, you know, validity you want to put on that or whatever significance you want to put on that, I truly feel that it played a significant role in the struggles that Brandon Clark had this season because a calf injury to Brandon Clark's game I think is going to be a bit more impactful to him than it would be to other players because so much of the advantage to Brandon Clark's game as a player to his skill set comes from the spring and the strength that he has in this in his legs and if they're not at 100% I truly feel that that does take away a big advantage for Brandon Clark as a player and the numbers kind of show that that's what was impacting him. The specific areas where Brandon Clark would be able to create the biggest advantage of his game were the ones that suffered the most due to nagging leg injuries that he dealt with all year. Here's what I mean by that. Now, across the board, obviously, Brandon Clark had an historical rookie season when it came to his overall shooting, and he significantly regressed overall in several key categories. In terms of field goal percentage, as a rookie, he made 61.8% of his shots. Last year, as a sophomore, 51.7%. His two-point field goal percentage went from 65.8% to 56.5%. Three-point percentage, 35.9 to 26. Effective field goal percentage, 64.2% as a rookie, down to 56.5% as a sophomore. And then when it came to his true shooting percentage... He went from 66.3% all the way down to 56%. That, to me, shows that Brandon Clark obviously did not have the same confidence in his shot when he was shooting this year that he did last year, and dealing with nagging injuries would certainly be the reason for that. But where did he see the biggest drop-off when it came to his shooting? Well, it shows in terms of the distances that he shot. He still made 73% of his shots at the rim. This year, he also made nearly the same amount of his shots 
on long two-point attempts, though he didn't take many of them. The areas where Brandon Clark, in terms of his shot, saw the biggest decline was from 3 to 10 feet away from the basket, was basically where he would attempt to shoot his floaters or the short mid-range shots and in his threes. And we saw that, right? We saw so many instances in which Brandon Clark was able to create the look that he wanted to, to hit, but there were probably at least 25 to 30 shots this year that he easily makes his rookie year that something was just missed. The extra oomph or confidence that was needed to make the shot wasn't there this year. And so I think that's an important thing to remember is that the shots were still there for Clark. The attempts that he needed, the, 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 get, the looks that he needed to get for him to make easy shots, high percentage shots, he was still creating or, or finding ways to get high percentage shots. They just weren't falling like they were last year. And I think a big part of that is there was a lack of confidence in his legs due to the nagging injuries that were there. Another indication that the legs were not at the full health that they needed to be for him to be able to create the opportunity that he wanted to create, in my opinion, was in his rebounds. Now, he did obviously you know, get the same amount of offensive rebounds. He was a little bit less on defensive rebounds, but his rebounds did lack a little bit this year as well. And so I do think that Brandon Clark, a big reason why his struggles this year were evident was because he was dealing with injuries, and it was a season in which the availability or the routine or the process of getting over injuries, it was harder to find ways to do that this year than it was in normal years. So I'm not trying to make an excuse for Brandon Clark. There was a missed opportunity for him to hopefully make the most of being able to start in Jaron's absence. It wasn't there. And I do think that teams were able to adjust to him and that he had a hard time adjusting back. I don't know if Brandon Clark's going to be a player who has a true shooting percentage and an, an a effective field goal percentage both over 60% many seasons for the rest of his career when he's playing 1,500 to 2,000 minutes a year. I don't know if he's going to produce like that. I'm not saying his rookie year is when he peaked or anything. I just don't know if he's going to consistently be that level of shooter. And I also don't know if Brandon Clark's ever going to reach the point of being the clear starting front court partner of Jaron Jackson Jr. I don't think that this season has that big of a role to play in the Grizzlies figuring that out. I just never thought that that was the most viable option for Clark going forward. In other words, like Jaron, I don't feel that there's any less, I don't have any less confidence in what Brandon Clark's ceiling is or, or, or what his potential is. I think that the same potential Brandon Clark showed when he should have been the runner-up for the Rookie of the Year in the 1920 season, I still feel that that same player is there, that same potential is there in Brandon Clark. I just feel that we have had a season to be able to understand that there are ways that his type of game can be impacted. And in that case, I do think that it's more fair to suggest that the ceiling for Brandon Clark, his long-term role on this team, the most advantageous role that he has on this team, is in my opinion to form an absolutely dynamic duo off the bench with the Anthony Melton.
That's what I feel, or maybe even in, in some scenario, Dylan Brooks. That's what I feel the long-term answer is for Brandon Clark on this team. And that's not trying to limit him. That's not trying to create a negative. I just feel that that's where his skill set is going to be the most advantageous. I feel that the difference, and, and, and to be honest with you, at times the dominance he can show against other second unit big men is a clear area of advantage for the Grizzlies that not only can pay dividends in the regular season, but even though Brandon Clark was out of the rotation towards the end of the playoffs, I think eventually in the playoffs as well. Because I do think Brandon Clark gets playing time in the playoffs if he's healthy. I also think that the fact that he now has a, 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 a kind of a regular offseason to fully get over his calf injury, once he gets back, he'll be able to focus on his shot to where he can continue to be a reliable three-point shooting option in Taylor Jenkins' system. So yes, Clark's season was a disappointment. No, it wasn't totally because of injuries or nagging injuries, though I think that played a big part in it. I do think that Brandon Clark, you know, the league adjusted a bit to him. I think that there was always going to be regression in Clark's production this season after the league adjusted to him. The big point is, kind of like the case for Jaron Jackson, kind of like the case for Justice Winslow, but more in their cases, just simply being healthy. I think that if Brandon Clark can quickly get healthy, which I feel like he's going to be able to do, in his case, it's the opportunity to adjust back. And the Grizzlies putting him in an advantageous position to where he can adjust back. And that's as the dynamic big man off the bench, the dynamic third big off the bench, that we saw him absolutely dominate at times in the role that he played as a rookie. That's the ideal role that I see for Brandon Clark. Even with Xavier Tillman being a part of the long-term future as well, I feel that Brandon Clark's ceiling is higher, and he is a player that you can use more confidently in crucial situations against other teams' best talents than Xavier Tillman. It's just that health and confidence has to be there on Brandon Clark's end. You know the focus is there. You know the drive is there. You know the motivation. He gets it. In the post-game press conferences, he's quick and correct with how he answers questions about his struggles. He knows what he needs to do. And he acknowledged that it was tougher to do this year with the injuries that he was dealing with. But just like having confidence in what Taylor Jenkins did for others last offseason and seeing what he hopefully will do with Justice and Jaron this year, I think there's every reason to have confidence that Brandon Clark can get back to being close to what he was his rookie year. And that, in my opinion, is someone that could surprise people, if fully healthy next year, as being a surprise six-man-of-the-year candidate for the Grizzlies. You saw what Jordan Clarkson and Joe Ingles meant to the Utah Jazz. In, the, in this year where they emerged as a title contender. I feel one of the most ideal outcomes for this Grizzlies team, if they keep both players, is though not in the same way, but in terms of impacting, overall impact, I feel like Joe Ingles and Jordan Clarkson were for the Jazz, something that really works out well for the Grizzlies in terms of them becoming an eventual title contender is for DeAnthony Melton and Brandon Clark to be that same type of impactful duo for the Grizzlies in the future off the bench that Ingles and Clarkson were this year for the Jazz. That's the role that I foresee Clark playing most likely for this Grizzlies team if he stays with us long term, and I think that that's where he creates his biggest advantage and where he shines the most. But will he be with the Grizzlies long term? I say yeah, especially next year. I say yeah, there's a good chance he will be. 
But are there avenues where it makes sense to where Brandon Clark potentially could be a piece used to upgrade the team? I acknowledge that also is the case. Also going to talk about Jaron's extension possibilities this offseason as well in the third segment. When it comes to the Memphis Grizzlies, and we talk about them having so many options that they could have in the front court, hopefully that they'll be able to utilize next year with health on their side. If you're someone that likes options, I got another place that gives you options. That's Built Bar. Built Bar is the protein bar that tastes like a candy bar, but there are two great things about Built Bar. Number one, though it tastes like a candy bar, it gives you the healthy benefits of a protein bar. Having it in the morning as a snack or, or as breakfast or in the afternoon as a snack gives you a needed boost to your day. But it's also a place that creates options for you, for your taste buds. Over 18 different flavors to choose from at BuiltBar.com, and many of them you can't go wrong with, if any of them at all. Now, I have my preferences. Y'all had your preferences back in March when you voted Coconut Brownie Chunk as the top taste over at BuiltBar.com. But whatever your taste preferences is, you're likely going to find something that meets them. And also at BuiltBar.com, if you put in the promo code LOCK15, you'll get 15% off your next order from BuiltBar. You can go to BuiltBar.com, put in the promo code LOCKED15, LOCKED get 15% off your next order from BuiltBar, plus over 18 different flavors you can choose from to make your day built better. BuiltBar, add it to your day, and I have to feel it'll be there to stay. You can go to BuiltBar.com, put in the promo code LOCKED15, to get 15% off your next order from BuiltBar. As I mentioned earlier in the show, so many exciting things coming up in the month of July when it comes to the sports world. And if part of your enjoyment as a fan is wagering and betting on sports, the place that has you covered is betonline.ag, the fastest and easiest way for you to bet on all your sports action. Get all the latest news, odds, and info for all your sporting needs, including MLB, NBA, NHL, and all your UFC MMA action. Before the next pitch, head over to BetOnline on your laptop or mobile device. And check out all the great sporting news, sign-up bonuses, and contest information. Don't sit on the sidelines anymore, as this is your chance to get into the game as teams prep for their runs to the playoffs. Head to the website or use your mobile device and sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus. Bet online, your online sportsbooks experts. Again, don't forget to use the promo code Locked On when you head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus at BetOnline.ag. Starting July 19th, the Ultimate Mock Draft 2021 presented by Locked On and Odyssey featuring analysis from the GOAT of NBA Mock Drafts, Chad Ford and Odyssey NBA experts Brian Scalabrini and former general manager Ryan McDonough. All of that will start on July 19th in the Ultimate Mock Draft 2021. Our Locked On NBA local experts will make selections and trades for your favorite basketball teams throughout this week-long event, special event. Search the Ultimate Mock Draft 2021 on the new Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. Odyssey is your audio home for all the sports, podcasts, music, and news that matter to you. That's Odyssey, A-U-D-A-C-Y. Enjoy the Ultimate Mock Draft 2021 on the Odyssey app. Once again, on tomorrow's episode, we are coming to the conclusion Uh, Two more episodes left in our player review series. Obviously, tomorrow we're going to talk about the two players who likely, in terms of the regular season, in my opinion, were right up there with Dylan Brooks and John Moran of having the biggest impact of all for this Grizzlies team. Kyle Anderson and Jonas Valanciunas both had career years for the Grizzlies, and it was needed for this to be a special year for the Grizzlies, but both also just have one year left on their current contracts with Memphis. What does this season mean for their future? We'll look at that for both Jonas, Jonas Valanciunas and Kyle Anderson tomorrow on the Lockdown Grizzlies podcast. So we've talked about Jaron Jackson Jr. 
and Brandon Clark. And the thing about it is, coming into this season, besides John Morant, these were the two names that you heard most frequently in terms of being the most critical to the Grizzlies' future. I don't think that has changed. Even if I feel the certainty that they'll reach significant levels or they will quickly reach the ceilings many thought that they had, if I'm less certain that they'll be able to do that, you know, in, in just, you know, right off the bat next season, I still do feel that if you talk about the top five Grizzlies on our current roster who mattered the most to the future of this franchise, I still clearly feel Brandon Clark and, and Jaron Jackson Jr. are comfortably in that conversation. I think obviously Jaws one, Jaron's two, Dylan is obviously three, and then whatever perspective you have, DeAnthony and Brandon Clark are four and five. So I still think that both of those players clearly are in the long-term plans of the Memphis Grizzlies. But those plans could be in different ways, right? Especially when it comes to Clark over Jaron Jackson Jr. Let's get right to the elephant in the room when it comes to this summer. The Jaron Jackson Jr. extension talks. If I'm the Grizzlies, I talked with it about Keith Smith a couple of Fridays ago in terms of the extension talks for Jaron Jackson Jr. I threw out the idea, four years, $100 million, maybe five years, $125 million. Keith looked at a bit more than Jonathan Isaac's deal that he just got with the Orlando Magic. And the thing about Jonathan Isaac is that he's a very talented player, but he's been injured. And I think that he's a bigger injury concern than Jaron Jackson is, so that's why Keith was saying a bit more. So if I'm suggesting four years 100 and Keith is suggesting four years 80, why don't we call it in the middle? And hey, you know what? As a content creator, let's create some content. Let's create a fun narrative. Why not offer Jaron Jackson Jr. a four-year $94 million deal? The same four-year $94 million deal, the same number of years and overall total amount that matches the Grizzlies' biggest free agent offer in history that was also probably their biggest roster blunder in history as well when it comes to Chandler Parsons. I'm halfway joking. I don't really want to test karma again, but I think it would be fun to see. But all joking aside, I would not hesitate. I would get it done. I, I would the first, whenever it makes sense to have those conversations, and I, I think it will happen probably over the next six weeks or so. I would certainly, if I'm Zach Kleiman in the Grizzlies front office, I would be comfortable in offering Jaron Jackson Jr. a four-year, $90 million extension. That way, it's not something, it's not the max. It's not something that just absolutely is going to hinder you if Jaron Jackson Jr. does run into more injury issues. But it also certainly is, quote-unquote, taking care of a player that you know you're committed to and showing that you recognize that when he's on the court and he's fully healthy, he truly is a difference maker. So four years, 94 years, 94 million, I feel that that's perfectly acceptable. And that's something that I would do for Jaron Jackson Jr. I feel confident and I would be happy to lock up Jaron Jackson Jr. for that long. Because basically, you get that type of extension done with Jaron this year, basically you're kind of, if you go four years, 90 million, it basically turns into one big five-year, $100 million extension. Because he's going to be playing for nine-year, one not nine million basically once they pick up his option for the 21-22 season. And then at the end of that 21-22 season, yes, the Grizzlies do have the ability to match any contract offer that's made to him because he's a restricted free agent. But, you know, while that, if they go that route, I don't necessarily think it's a negative 
I just think that there's a lot more. I, I just, I feel just more comfortable. I feel that the comfort and the positivity that comes from getting something done this offseason, I think that that has significance. I think that that sends the right message to not only Jaron, but Ja, the rest of the roster, and just the organization as a whole. The Grizzlies have consistently shown that they are going to put an extra awareness and extra effort into taking care of the players that focus on making the most of their opportunity here. Jaron has clearly done that. So I think taking care of the extension this year, getting it done, a deal that if Jaron stays healthy is likely going to be a bargain when he's on the court. I have no hesitation to find the Grizzlies. So four years, 90 million. Whatever contract structure you want to do it, paying him basically his, the last year of his rookie deal pays him 9 million this year, 23 to 25 million, whatever structure you look at for each of the next four years. You've got a significantly talented young player locked up that when on the court and when healthy, likely is going to be a significant part of your future. I'm fine doing it. Four years, 90 million for Jared, no issue at all. Now with Brandon Clark, it's a different story, right? He's still got two years left on his rookie deal, and I think the Grizzlies are going to clearly pick up his option just like they are with Jaw. The next year, we'll have conversations about Brandon Clark in terms of his, you know, long-term extension. I think Brandon Clark is probably someone that the Grizzlies, you know, let play, even if he comes back to play in like he did as a rookie next year. I think the most likely scenario with Brandon Clark, if he stays on this Grizzlies team, is this team just letting him play out his contract and from there deciding whether or not to go with extending him after his four years when he goes to restricted free agency. And I think that's the most likely scenario. It doesn't really make sense for the Grizzlies to move on from Brandon Clark, in my opinion, for a few reasons. Number one. His value is low. And Brandon Clark, to me, is too significant of a talent to really look to try to, you know, sell him to a team that's buying low on him. I still think teams hold him in high regards, even if his long-term answer is as a potential six-man. So I think the Grizzlies feel that they owe it to themselves to fully see him through another offseason of development and training when he's healthy to see what he can do to build off his rookie season when healthy. I also think that it makes sense to hold on to Clark because when you look at it, while the Grizzlies are still going to have plenty of players under contract next year, they're going to have to replace quite a few players next summer when Grayson and, and whatever happens with Justice and and, and uh, Jonas and Kyle Anderson and um, uh, Tyus Jones, five players right there, John Tay Porter, potentially five, six, seven players who over this season and next season will be gone, while the Grizzlies certainly have plenty of death right now, it really only extends beyond this season. So you certainly would love to keep as many young and intriguing, talented players as you can. So that's another reason to certainly keep Brandon Clark. And at the end of the day, I really don't see them trading Brandon Clark unless they're making a move, that, that all-in type move, or a significant long-term upgrade. And I don't know if that happens this season. You know, I've talked about the different tiers, the different levels of trade packages the Grizzlies could put together to move further up in the draft to truly get a player that they want to get. But with the, if you're including Brandon Clark in a deal with, say, like the 17th pick and the Utah pick, my feeling is, is that if it's going to cause that for you to move up to like 8 or 9 to pick a player that you really want to pick, why not just instead find a way to move up to 14 or 15 with Grayson Allen or the Utah pick alone? Because if you're willing to package 
a player of the caliber and on the contract of a Clark or a Melton together with your future first-round pick plus your first-round pick this year, I feel it makes sense for the Grizzlies to instead, if you're already willing to cross that bridge, make the most of your new settlement. Make the most of crossing that bridge and instead use that to go get a significant established talent in the NBA rather than a prospect. And I don't know if that's the move the Grizzlies are going to make this year. So I'm about 85 to 90% confident Brandon Clark is on our roster next season. Don't really see any reasons why the Grizzlies would want to trade him. I feel truly feel this front office feels confident in what they can do with Brandon Clark. I feel Taylor Jenkins is confident in Brandon Clark being an impactful two-way player, even if it is mostly against other second units. But that's what stands out about this team. That's an area where this team knows it can truly make a difference. They know that it's an area where a difference has been made, a significant difference has been made, because of how they've exceeded expectations. So all in all, I I do feel that there's, you know, sense to be made for Brandon Clark as a trade asset. And I understand that now would make sense to do it since he has two years left on his rookie deal, and you've already got plenty of other big men in the picture in Xavier Tillman. A bigger role for Killian Tilly if you want to hold on to him, or Jonte Porter if you want to hold on to him. Jaron coming back healthy and Jonas being there. I get all that. I can see where you can make a case for Brandon Clark being expendable. But the Grizzlies know how advantageous of a chess piece Brandon Clark can be when he's healthy and when he's playing well. And I think they owe it to themselves and to Clark to see that through, to give that opportunity once again to have that opportunity in place with him fully healthy and reap the benefits of it rather than potentially including him in a trade package where you might have to overpay for something that isn't as ideal with him coming off a less than ideal season himself. So at the end of the day, if I'm the Grizzlies, my focus with Clark and Jaron Jackson Jr. is keeping both of them. In Jaron's case, doing what you can to sign him long term. In Brandon Clark's case, doing all that you can for him to make the most of him getting back on track when it comes to the difference-making two-way type impact player he showed he could be at times his rookie season and went healthy this year. Both of these players are integral, critical parts to this Grizzlies team reaching the status that they want to reach as a sustainable winner and contender. And I feel the Grizzlies feel confident not only that will both players get there, but they feel comfortable in waiting out their development into next season, and giving them every opportunity to shine, not only together, but on this Grizzlies roster, to once again build off of the success. Yes, we want the Grizzlies to make the playoffs next year. Yes, we want them to make it further than they did this year. But even more so, in my opinion, we want the reasons why they do that to be their young core of players like Melton the full season, Clark the full season, Jared and Jaw taking steps forward in their games. We'd rather it be that way that a bunch of players will expire in contracts, though we want Jonas and Kyle and Grayson and Tyus and Justice to all play better. I feel the best outcome for this Grizzlies team next season is for their young talent that is so important to their future all to take steps forward to allow for them to be successful in the present and the future. And I think that besides Jaw, Jaron and Brandon Clark are two of the biggest reasons as to why the Grizzlies can do that. And while though I call both of them the two biggest wild cards for our future, one of the reasons why I call that is because I th- still think both have immensely bright futures that the Grizzlies should feel fully confident in both investing in when it comes to Jaron Jackson Jr. and continuing to develop when it comes to Brandon Clark. 
Thanks so much for joining us on this episode of the Locked on Grizzlies podcast. My name's Sean Coleman. Find the show at Locked on Grizz, myself at Stats SEC, the podcast wherever it's available. Make sure you listen, review, subscribe. Let us know what you think of the show as well as content you'd like to be discussed. We always want to make sure we're creating content that is relevant to our listeners' preferences. Have a great Wednesday, and we'll talk to you again soon here on the Locked on Grizzlies podcast. Hey, Prime members. You can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.